0: I believe we still live in the greatest nation in the world. I believe we have the greatest people in the world. Somebody say amen. And I believe that love does endure all. Amen. The scripture says that there is no greater kind of love than those who lay down their lives for their friends or their country. Amen. And so obviously today on the 15th anniversary, it's important for us as Christians to take the time to remember the greatest kind of love that was laid down for our country. And you'll see a lot of things happen on social media and even on TV, but I want you to remember what God said, that the greatest kind of love, not ideal or idea or strategy, the greatest kind of love is those who lay down their life for somebody else. And no no matter what you think or where you come from or what your ideas are about it, the fact remains that that happened on that day. People lay down their lives for others. Amen. And the other thing we need to remember is this that the scripture says that we have a thief or an enemy. We have a devil, a Satan, someone who is out, the scripture says, to kill, steal, and destroy. We have someone who's looking to devour. We have uh, an enemy who seeks to kill you and destroy you and ruin your life and ruin our kids' life. He doesn't play fair. There is no, well, you know, they're young people. We should leave them alone. Actually, instead, he gets them while they're young people. And he targets them at a young age. You know, if you sit down and you look at some of the most uh, secular, uh, most backwards ideals and ideas, uh, you sit down with some of these companies they have this understanding. So Viacom, MTV, CBS, all all these people, uh, you could sit down with their marketers and they say, we don't even try to influence adults anymore. We want to try to speak to and reach young people from 17 to 25, because if we win their mind then, then we have win them further. Why? Because unfortunately, uh, there is agendas that are being spread from that enemy, the thief who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And so there's these agendas being set and he realized, so there is no fair game. And so what do we do? What's our response to that? Is it fear? Uh, do we try to hold ourselves in a little closer? Do we, you know, what, what is our response to this idea that there's no greater love than those who live for somebody else? But then on the other hand, we have this enemy who's one scripture says that he's roaming like a lie seeking whom he may devour. So what do we do in this balance? Obviously a natural tendency is this. Well, I want to scale back. I want to I pull back. I want to try to protect myself. I want to, and, and then essentially you live in fear. Or we can be a people who, like what I talked about before, we say, hey, there's all of these things. I wish we could be looking back at something that happened 15 years ago and say, thank God that's over. But actually we still see acts of terrorism, right? And we still see that, that uh, there's an enemy still seeking to devour and to destroy. And so what do we do? The beautiful thing about a Christian is we get to do one incredibly powerful thing, and that is pray. We have prayer. For me, when I watch a video, when I consider 9 11, I can't find the words. I can't find an intelligent spin to put on this or that. All I can really do is turn to some prayer among myself. You watch a video like this, and you, and you think about all the things going on, and really, you can just turn in. I just turn into prayer, just prayer, just, God, we need you, Amen. And so today I want to talk about, you know, Paul said in a lot of his writings and he would start a lot of uh, books that he would write to people, uh, which we know now are scripture. and, And he would say things like this. Hey, I know that you already know this, but it's good that we talk about it again. He would start a lot of writings by saying, hey, it's good that I remind you of these things. Why? Because we know the largest gap in the world is between what we know to do and what we actually do. And that's what happens with prayer. And so in this country and in this nation and on this day, 15 years ago, what we saw, I still come back to this idea that the only thing that is going to change us is going to first start in prayer. Amen. Uh, I look all throughout scripture and you realize that God uses prayer to restore things. Most of the time when God would lift up a nation or he would lift up a leader or he'd lift up and establish a king, it was a person of great prayer. It was a person who had a heart set for him or a great person of worship. Why do you think all throughout scripture, anytime someone was a worshiper or a prayer or put God first or prioritize them as Lord, kings and evil people would seek out to destroy that voice? Why? Because God restores things and raises up nations if we're people who worship and pray. Amen? And so prayer, a part of restoring and healing, I guess would probably be the right word because I believe that God still blesses America. Amen? And so my words today might be healing. Our prayer for this nation as we heal would be that we pray. We be people of prayer. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear them from heaven. And I will forgive their sin and heal their lands. I mean, know we need some healing in our land? Amen. What do we have to do? What are the, what, did it say we have to get a Bible degree? Did it say we have to go, you know, form a community of this? It says you just have to be a people who humble yourself and seek God and pray. Amen. Now, prayer without action, you know, we could get into a whole nother thing there because, you know, you could just pray all day to yourself. But if we aren't used by God to go out, here I am, Lord, use me. But today I want to talk specifically about prayer and God will call us into action. Amen. So it takes humble prayer. And you've heard me say this before. Unfortunately, uh, they did a survey, Barner Research Group did a survey of, of the characteristics of a Christian, the fundamental things that should make us up as believers. So reading our word or attending church or uh, giving of our tithe or all these different things that are essentially part of who we are as Christians. The number one neglected thing that people admitted was that they neglect prayer. They neglect prayer. They say, that's probably the weakest of the things that I act out as a Christian is prayer. I don't have prayer, which is so disheartening because prayer is our relationship, our communion, our, com- our communication with God. Uh, you've heard me say before that literally God's intention in Genesis in the beginning, he walked with them in the cool of the day. It says that he was with them. What were they doing? They were fellowshipping in relationship with words. And that's what prayer is. That's what God desires of us, is, is not to take like a laundry list of, of demands for God. Is to say, oh, God, I'm participating with you for our nation. I'm participating with you for everything that is involving America. Amen? And so that's God's desire. The average American, they say, Christian, spends less, time, less than 10 minutes a day in prayer. The average American spends less than 10 minutes a day in prayer. You will spend more time a day preparing food for yourself than communicating with your creator. They say the average American will spend more time grooming, preparing yourself for the day, getting dressed, brushing your teeth, doing your hair, than what you will praying, seeking God for what his direction is in your life. We'll spend more time just putting together ourselves naturally before we do spiritually. And how many know that has to change for God to heal our land? If we humble ourselves and we seek the Lord and we be people who pray, then he'll heal our lands and our lands is our own home. And it's our own neighborhood. And then it's our own state and our own country and our own world. Amen? Again, I know some of this is really basic, but I think it's really good for us, especially on a time like this, to remember it's prayer. It's praying the price that's going to make the difference. Mark chapter 11, verse 24, therefore I say unto you, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. What do you desire for this nation and do you pray it? Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe. How many of us have sat back and thought, you know what, for this country and for all the things that we see, God, here's the things that I've mathematically decided and desired to pray for. We talk about a lot of stuff. Well, you know, I just wish they'd fix this. But have you taken all of those things and put them in a place that you desire to see God move in them? And then you pray about it. And I'm just as guilty, right? We need to strategically say, God, these are my desires and my concerns, and these are my things for our nation, uh, and then pray about them. Matthew 6, verse 5, it says, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the street that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you that they have their reward. Don't pray just to be somebody who's making like a prayer statement for our nation. You'll have your reward if you just go through it for the motions. In verse six, it says, but when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to the father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. Private prayer produces public reward. We all want to just go vote and hope that there's public reward. But the scripture is saying, hey, if we just married the two things, if we got out in action, If privately we prayed and we sought God and we got in a place and we let him know our desires for our nation and we privately sought him, then when we went to show up in public, we'd see the reward of it. Somebody say amen. We need to see some more reward of it at our polls. Amen. In our school systems and in our boards and in our, amen. So maybe that's a little bit of what we're missing is we haven't gone to the private place with God and said, God, here's our desires for our nation. Here's our desires for our community. Would you please... Show yourself publicly as we pursue you privately. Amen. That's why prayer is so important because God rewards private prayer. Verse seven. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do for they will. For they think they will be heard for their many words. Verse eight. Therefore, don't be like them for your father in heaven knows the things you need and that you have need before you even ask. God already knows what we need. God knows. God has the answer to our nation. God has the answer to our leadership. God has the answers. We have to be a people who pursue him about those things. Amen? Charles Spurgeon, you've heard me say this. Charles Spurgeon said, prayer is cooperating or cooperating with God. So many times we listen to things or we hear things or we study things. And then on our own, we go out and we try to advance those things. Instead of finding some prayer and getting together in prayer and saying, okay, God, here's some things that I know. Here's some wisdom. Here's some understanding, like I talked about last week. We've gained these things. Now I'm going to go to your throne about it. Now I'm going to go to you about it because I'm not going to do anything unless I hear the Father tell me to do it. Somebody say amen. And I'm going to cooperate with you on these two things, and then we'll see God give public reward. Amen. We want to see our nation healed. We have to do it by cooperating with God. Amen. James 4.1 says, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure? You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war. And then he throws this in there. Yet you have not because you ask not. We go through all this fighting and we make all this mess and we do all this turmoil and all this wrestling with one another and we backbite this person. We do all of these things that it mentioned to try to obtain that thing that we're looking for. But instead, if we just took that energy and went to God and asked him for what we need, the scripture says, you have not because you ask not. God's willing to give it, but we look at all the energy that we spend trying to get it on our own. How many are with me? I wish as a a nation, as a country, as a Christian, as a vertical church, we could be people who don't spend energy trying to produce it by our own hand, but we just say, God, this is what I need. Uh, I've shared it with you before that, there's nothing more frustrating to me than when my little, my kids, I have a three and a half year old and a one and a half year old. Nothing is more frustrating to me than when, um, they come to me and they know what they want. I know what they want, but they're throwing a meltdown about it. And you just want to say, use your word, you know, just tell me and they come to you with the, wah, wah, and they just make a, a whole mess of, and they just, and it's this, this whole scene and they do this whole thing, but they haven't just come to me and asked me for what they want. Right. It's just that meltdown mode. They come to us and ah, they've made this home. And I'm the father over here saying, hey, just come to me and tell me what you need and I will help you. I have what you need. I wonder how many of us God looks down on us and just sees us. and blah, blah, We're making, we're fighting. We're, and God's just up there. Will you just come and tell me what you need? I want to move on your behalf. Amen. So when I think about healing our land, we have to be a people who learn to run to God and seek God because our destiny is important as a country. Amen. Lamentations 1 9 says this that her collapse, her collapse, she considered not her destiny. Therefore her collapse was great. Said there was uncleanness in her skirts. She considered not her destiny. Therefore, her collapse was great. You know what caused the sin in her life? It's because she wasn't considering the call of God on her life. She didn't put prayer. She didn't put her destiny. She didn't put what God wanted to do in her life at the forefront. She considered not her destiny, and therefore, by living that way, sin allows to come in your life and win. How many of y'all have ever done that? You've just made a huge mistake, essentially, just because you were bored. You just didn't have time, you know, you had time, you had too much, you say. But when you're not prioritized, and the enemy comes in, how many are with me, right? I see what the enemy is trying to do to our nation. If I can keep them so busy and so distracted. I'm so thankful for our simplified book and other things that we've been talking about. If I can keep them so busy and so distracted and so preoccupied with other things, they won't consider their destiny and they won't ever go to their father and ask them for what they need. We need to be a people and then our collapse would be great because we consider not our destiny. We would follow the same thing as lamentations. My prayer is that we be a people who figure out how to simplify and prioritize and seek first the kingdom. Therefore, everything else will be added unto us. Amen. So 15 years later, I hope that we know that there's no greater love than someone who lays down their life. But we're also very aware that there is an enemy, and it's not a people group. There's an enemy that is out to steal, kill, and destroy. And we need to be a people who prayerfully make a difference and pray the price and make an impact. Amen. James puts it on who? James 5.13 says, if any among you are in trouble, let him pray. Who handles our troubles? Well, you know, this country, you know, it's a little sideways. I don't know how I feel about it. I wish those pastors would really step up and get this thing fixed. If any of us are in trouble, who should be handling it? Us. If any of us are in any kind of trouble, who do we let pray? We pray. It's important to go to the church and pray. It's important to go to the elders and all the different kind of people and seek prayer. But it's more important that we be a people who understand it's our responsibility to heal this land through our personal prayers. Amen. And so we have to be a people who pray. That's how we see healing. We have responsibility to pray. I'll close with this thought. 1 Timothy 2.1. What's the word here? I urge. I urge you. Like, it's so important. I urge you. It's like with your kids, you know, like, listen to me. I urge you, if you get out of this bed tonight, you know, I tell my kids I'll sell them on Craigslist because I sell a lot of things on Craigslist. I'm kind of kidding. I may have said that one time. Um, but it's this, listen to me. If I can tell you anything, I urge you, strong emphasis, I urge you, prayers and intercessions and even thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. How do we see peaceful lives and quietness and holiness and God moving in our country? we be a people who pray for those who are in authority. It even challenged us a little bit more to be people who give thanks for those who are in authority of us. Why? Because God uses prayers. God changes things. When the scripture says that, hey, uh, you're not called to be the head. You're not called to be the tail. You're the head and not the tail. We may have something that's real flip-flop right now. We don't know how it's going to be used, but if we could pray into it and God puts his hand on it, he can make us the head and not the tail. Amen. And so, hey, how, how do we see peace and how do we and I'm not talking about laying down. Well, we're just going to get in a little prayer closet. and We're just, just going to pray for our leaders and hope that that peace comes. we got to get out there and make a stand and make a difference and stand up for what we believe in. Amen. But I'm saying you can't do it while you're bad mouthing. You can't do it while you're. Amen. We want to live in peace. We want to live in godliness and holiness. And this urge here is that we pray for our leaders and our kings. If we prayed for our leaders as much as we complained about them, they'd probably turn into Jesus. It's actually true because I'm a University of Michigan fan, and we had Brady Hoke, and I complained about him a lot, and then the Lord sent us Harbaugh Jesus. He just turned right into Harbaugh Jesus. Any Michigan fans with me? Amen. I mean, we're experiencing revival right now in Ann Arbor. The glory of the Lord is upon us. Those that rise up against us. Yeah. All right, I'm pushing it. (laughs) But I'm serious. If we start talking right, people rise or fall to the level of our praise. If all the church is doing is talking about our leaders and officials like they're down here, what's going to happen? God said that life and death is in the power of our tongue. If all we're saying about our officials and leaders and the future of our country is down here, where are we going to be? Because scripture says God is not mocked. What we sow is what we reap. If all we say is this, we got to start speaking life over our future, amen, and doing it through prayer. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. We must pursue things in prayer for our country, not always respond to things for our country. The church has got to get ahead instead of always being the people who have to respond after it's too late. Amen. I'm thankful for people who have a desire to get out in front of things because we are the head and not the tail. God has called us to be the leaders in all of these different arenas. We have to pray the price so that we're not always just responding yet instead we're leading the way. I don't know how we're going to fix this. I don't know how. Oh, I've actually been praying about it, government officials. And God showed me we should do this. And I say, oh, my gosh, that's brilliant. Right. We can't just be in response to everything. We have to pray into the future. I love this. Mark Batterson. You guys know I share a lot of this stuff, but it says bold prayers honor God and God honors bold prayers. God is not offended by your biggest dreams or boldest prayers. He is offended by anything less. If your prayers aren't impossible to you, they are insulting to God. Who you become is determined by how you pray. Ultimately, the transcript of your prayers becomes the script of your life. How we pray for our country, we're setting the script and the tone for our country and for the healing in our nations and in the rest of the world. Amen. The greatest tragedy in life is prayers that go unanswered because they've gone unasked. Every day we drive through our towns and through our cities and through our states and through our and how many unasked prayers are we putting out there what a tragedy it is that god has set this country the way that he did and we've removed ourselves from praying and protecting the price for our country the scripture says that tomorrow is promised to no man it's the same thing we got to pray the price in because tomorrow is promised to no man We have to pray the price. The scripture says without faith, it's impossible to please God. We want to be a people who see a great nation full of faith, pleasing to God. We have to do it through prayer. You've heard me say Charles Spurgeon talks about how all these great people came to see how his ministry and how his church was great. And he took him to the basement, and they heard all this noise, and these leaders thought, oh, surely we're going to find the secret to Spurgeon's great church. And he opened the door, and he saw a room full of hundreds of people praying. And he said, this is the engine to all of our success, this prayer. And he said this, if the engine room is out of action, then the whole mill will come to a halt. We cannot expect blessing if we do not ask. We cannot expect to see our nation healed if we do not ask him. Amen? So prayer is the key of the morning and the bolt of the evening. We have to protect this country and our people and our leaders and our officials and our schools and everything that our hand is put to, God has trusted us with. We have to cover that in great prayer. And people say, well, you know, I don't know. I'd rather, you know, it's more important that I become a a missionary or I start my own ministry or I do. That's how we'll change the world. But it's through prayer. God raises up people of prayer. And gives them influence. Uh, you've heard me say it this way: We all want to be the big, bright, sparkly chandelier in God's living room. but it's the nightlight in God's hallway that has caused more people from stumbling in the dark. If we could just be faithful prayer people, not the shiniest thing that everybody sees, but you're just back praying the price, paying the price, praying the price for our country. It's a big deal. Well, I'd rather do something great, and I'd rather be able to sing. I'd rather, be able to do, I'd rather be able to do all these things that we see. I want this big thing. I'm praying for God to do God's called us to faithfulness. He who is too big to do the little things is too little to ever do the big things. Let's pray the price in prayer. I love this one. If all your prayers were answered tomorrow, would it change the world, or would it just change your world? How do we pray? How do we go to God? Are we saying heal our land or are we saying bless me because I need, if all your prayers were answered, would it change just your life or the whole world? We have to be a people who pray and seek God because God promises it will heal our land. Amen.